This is Com Trues. Uh, this is Makeup of Vanity Set, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're all here. There Thanks, we uh, both of you, for joining. Oh, it's um, it's really awesome. Oh, now we got video. Oh, hey yeah. there. Oh, I, I, I keep the thing covered for you know the spies out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, luckily there's no one going to be creeping on the feed, so it's, it's just <laughs> us. There's going to be no intruders. Cool. <clears throat> Might be this dog, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. Bill, your dog, yeah. If y'all Congrats. don't have pants on, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just no one stand up. Zoom Zoom call etiquette is also like a weird... It's like everyone just dove in head first and no one really gave any thought to it. So everybody's in different orbits on that. Like how, how, to, how to communicate, how not to talk over one another. Like, I think that just adds the, a layer of like discomfort to, you know, sitting on Zoom calls like... And it's, I think it makes it that much worse, especially like on a business end. Like if you're dealing with like a production or something and you're talking to all these, and there's like, there's like 15 faces and they're all looking at you and you're just like, I hate this. I hate mm-hmm. every aspect of it. It's like an idea. <laughs> I think it's more awkward than actually having meetings in person. It absolutely is. Isn't that yeah. bizarre? Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I mean, we're all there. We're all people, but there's something that's also like really just the whole like uncanny valley. Like you're seeing all these faces on a screen and everybody like, and I think everybody else, I don't think anybody wants to be there. You know what I mean? Like I think no, yeah. uh, no. everybody's just sort of in the same boat where they're all like, ah, well, we're here. Fuck it. You know, we're just doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like no one's going to admit it, but you're si- you're sitting there staring at your own face. You're just like, oh, yes. uh-huh. weird. I'm a weirdo. That- that and I feel like I could be doing something more productive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just, I, I, I've been actively trying to, like, just stay off my phone as much as possible. I can't. I mean, just the news today and, and stuff like that. It's just yeah. chaos. Yeah. Like, twenty four seven. You can't escape it unless you physically really force yourself to like, not use it. Yeah. You put. You have to. You have to put it down. I'm yeah. trying to like declutter the stuff. That's on the phone. You know how the phone makes everything convenient. Flip phone. Yeah. But like taking, like I'm wearing a watch again because it's just yeah. one way that I don't check my phone. It's one of those stupid yeah. habits that you have. Yeah. They're evil. Well, and I think that's a, yeah. that's a that's another weird byproduct of COVID. It's like we were sort of sucked into that digital vortex, whether we like it or not. You know, which isn't in and of itself is like a very dystopian thing. You know, it's like we're all connected twenty four seven. And there's nothing we can do about it. It's like we have to, like I hate, I hate all social media. Like I wish yeah. I could leave it all behind and just do, you know, like the Bill Murray route and just have a phone here. And if it and it rings, and if I if I'm here, I'll answer it. And if I'm not, I won't. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, but in this day and age, like especially if you have if you if you're any kind of creator of any kind of content, you have to have all that shit. And there's no way to get away from it. And it's like. I've been thinking of like using someone through the label to like do it. Cause I just, I don't want to like really respond to anything anymore. Like I yeah. just, 
I just want to write the music and like just have my normal life outside of it. Like I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I don't really, I don't feel comfortable engaging with people or making content just to like, I don't know, stay relevant or, or, or like on everybody's radar. I just feel like that's that's so far from why I think I ever got into this. Uh, you know, yeah. I just I can't. I don't know, and it causes me so much anxiety these days. I just. Oh, yeah. hey! Thanks for We know too <laughs> yeah. much. We know too much stuff, and then there's uh, people who are oversharing, and like I, I just I don't know. There's it's a, too much there's for a, me. There's a component of it too, especially if you're somebody who's like publicly known, right? Where they are like, "Oh, I own, own all your records, and I know you," and then you're like, "No, you don't." Yeah. And so there's a strangeness. Like you have a lot of strange interactions through that. Oh yeah. But then, but then on the uh, also you know with that it's like you just don't have like you're especially people who work in music especially electronic music it's like you're a person who feels very comfortable interfacing with machines yes. all day long and so like you, that's that's your workflow that's how you are and that's i was listening to a, a podcast recently where this guy had written a, a series of essays about uh spending time alone like learning it's like a famous tarkovsky quote like he always mm -hmm. said you know people need to learn how to be alone it's absolutely true and it's not something we we do now as a people like we're so dependent upon you know the dopamine of like ah you know i gotta i gotta see if i got some likes or i gotta do this or yeah. i gotta do this and and i think like i it made me think about who like how i work and how you know i sit in a room full of machines and i interface with machines and like that's my comfort like i feel yeah. i feel more comfortable here than i do anywhere and so the idea that like, you know, it's expected of us to go online and post things and do reels and get engagement. It's like nauseating because you're just like, oh, that's not who I am. That's not how I don't want to talk to people. You know, I always think of that yeah. scene in, in that scene in um, uh, what is it? I can't think of the name of the movie. Daniel Plainview, the uh, there will be blood when they're sitting oh, at the man. beach and he's like, I can't keep doing this with all of these people you know and he's <laughs> he such disdain for the rest of humanity because they're in his way you know he's like a driven guy he's like this is what i do you know i'm just i'm doing my thing yeah um, yeah uh, we, my parents have a camp in the in the mountains of upstate new york and <clears throat> cell phone service is still not really you have to drive a little way and you might get like a little spot near the lake where you know you can make a call but forget about like checking email or anything but and i'm always super excited when i go because i'm like ah no i'm, I'm this thing i'm only gonna use my phone for playing music and that's it you know like playing tunes outside by the you know what we're grilling or whatever and then towards the end of every trip i start to get really stressed out about going home and like you know that drive home you probably make it you know it's only an hour from from where i grew up my house um but like you, you get cell phone service back about 45 minutes into that trip and then you know everybody except for the person who's driving is glued to their phone like getting all caught up and that stresses me out i'm like oh i have so much crap to respond to and all this stuff and oh i just yeah. i don't know i just i, I feel like uh, back to like the content creation thing like I mean, can I just create the musical content? You know what I mean? Like we now we have to de devote all this time to like, I don't know. I just it seems. Do you, do, you, do you suffer from? So on that note, like, do you do you suffer from like decision fatigue? You know, like is because I think about that too a lot. Like I'm I'm one of those people. Like if I go to a um, like I love to eat food. Like if I go eat somewhere and I'm like, okay, this is what I like. This is what I'm gonna get. Like I'm not the person who's gonna look at the menu and get something different every time. Like I'm a dude that gets up in the morning and puts on a black t-shirt, 
yeah. and like makes music. And I'm like, all of my energy is devoted to making music. And that's where the decision stuff comes in. But everything else, I'm like, just let's just keep it simple. You know, like I don't want to oh, overthink it. Yeah. I'm and the same exact way. Yeah. And I think, but I think like the onslaught of information that we get from our phones and from social media is an, is like an active deterrent, you know, to mm -hmm. your sort of mental capacity. It's like where the things that you're trying to, to actually invest time in are, you know, completely run over by, you know, having to know every single thing about whatever. And it's some, sometimes it's just as innocuous as like somebody posting pictures of like, I ate this for lunch. Or it's like every single insight into every like every think piece about everything that's happening ever. Yes, you know uh, it's it's too much. You know, extremely overloading. Which yeah, brings I, I'm the same. <laughs> you know, sorry, the black t-shirt, black uh, shorts. Uh, yeah. I walk the dog at the same time every day. The neighbors must think I'm a bum because I'm dressed in the exact same <laughs> outfit every day. Like yeah. I only put on like fancier shoes if I go to dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I yeah I try to cut down on any sort of. I mean my I like to cook a lot. That's what I was doing right before I was making uh, uh, some some ramen stuff for tomorrow. But um that's where I do a lot of my decision making is like, you know, what I want to cook and things like that. And definitely with, obviously with the music, but everything else I'm trying to like cut way back on really having to think too hard on that kind of stuff. You know, I just, well, I mean, it, it I does it, it like it undercuts the process. Cause I think so much yeah. of, so much of trying to, to like, I, a lot of times I'll get emails from kids and they're like, Hey, I, you know, how do I get into making electronic music? And it's like, well, I think for a lot of people, they, they get on YouTube and they see a video and they're like, I could do that. Or they hear something and they go, I could do that. And the thing is like, they're not thinking about all the time that that person has put into, you know, before you even release anything, uh, you know, most people have spent their lifetime, you know, trying yeah. to hone a craft and figure yeah. out their voice. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that like, um, you know, there's, there is a definite, like, and that, that comes back to that whole, like, immediacy, like, everything right now, got to have it right yeah. now. And, um, yeah, I think so many, so much that's going on in the world today, it's like, if we just slow the fuck down and relax, you know, like, and let the thing sort of gestate a little bit before we jump off a cliff, you know, like, uh, maybe we'd be better for it, you know? Yeah, everything is, uh, it just feels so rushed lately. I don't know. Um, I'm very much the, uh, you know, especially with writing music, I'm going to take my sweet time and it's not, I'm not going to, if I don't feel it, I don't feel it. You know, like I haven't really worked. I worked on one thing this week and I just, I really haven't. I mean, I just not really inspired right now. It's pretty yeah. grim, grim out there, but you know, I should turn it into inspiration, but I think, uh, I think um, it always for me, it's been, you know, trying to write about current events or what's happening in my life or outside my life. It takes me a long time to digest it and then figure out what it really meant to me. And I might write about it, you know, years down the road or something, not in the immediate ever. I can't really translate that well, that, that you know, that quickly. Anyway. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, we, you and I have talked a little bit uh, just through Instagram about, ironically through instagram about dystopia yeah. you know <laughs> and like i think a lot about how you know as a kid my you know your childhood uh sort of relationship to dystopian ideas right so like as a kid you might read 
Animal Farm, or you might read, you know, you might read 1984, or you've seen, you know, I was born in 82. So it's like, you know, seeing the science fiction films that came out during the 80s, which are very much a response to the shittiness of the 80s. You know, like I know yeah. we do a lot of romanticizing, but the mm -hmm. 80s were not like a great time. It's like no. you had a lot of political strife, stock market stuff, AIDS crisis, you have all these things. Yeah. And I think a lot of the great sort of art that comes out of the 80s came about because of people's desire to just escape, right? To like sort of dive into fantasy rather than sort of look at reality. And I look yeah. at time, I look at how, where we're at now and I'm like, there's so much chaos in the world. And I keep looking to see like, okay, so where's the great art gonna come in? Like, where are we gonna find, you know, uh, you know, where, where are the great movies gonna come out that are like really challenging how we're thinking, you know, aside from just endless superhero movies or whatever. Like Ugh. I just, but I'm always, I'm always looking at it And I, I kind of, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, cause you're a guy who makes music that is very much like in line with that. You, you have spoken a lot about the conceptual end of it and how mm -hmm. a lot of your music, if not all of your music has to rely on a concept or an idea uh, behind each track or behind each record. So like, how does, how do you parse through now this reality and especially as an adult too because that's another big part of it too like our perception yeah, yeah. of it as an adult versus as a kid um you know how does that figure in how does that fantasy and reality figure into what you do mm. it's very difficult i feel like when i first really started this project obviously the world was a very different place um i feel a bit smothered now i mean uh, not only with just everything happening in the world uh, with the way the music industry has completely drastically shifted to, you know, we're, everything is just all over the place. And, you know, back to what you said about when people ask you, like, uh, you know, how, how did you start writing music like this or whatever? It's like, you know, I don't know. I just kind of, I was just making stuff and I found something that I really latched onto i guess and and it's very it's that's a very difficult question to ever answer because there's no everybody's story's completely different you know yeah but i i think you know now it, it's been very this whole pandemic right into right into today i've been pretty slow on the output i mean i've had some projects that you know i did the film score and, the, and some commercial stuff and you know which has been a, a nice little break because that was somebody else's idea that i had to kind of wrap my ideas around so it wasn't as difficult as me you know conceptualizing you know uh, you know completely on my own but <clears throat> i'm getting back to that point where uh, you know i'm, I'm uh, going away for a week uh, uh the week after next and and i think i'm really gonna sit down when i get back and mm. and bang bang the record out and just uh you know see what comes of it but I, you know i just i feel like if i any time up until right now i feel like it, when i've sat down to write up it's felt very forced or like mm. i'm forcing myself which sometimes i do have to do that and i do like deadlines you know i think they yeah. let alone you know yeah having a having a concept in my mind and it, it kind of you know at least a general flow of things mm -hmm. on, to, on top of having a, a a deadline really i work better under pressure that's for sure so you yeah. know i don't know yeah. well i think but I there's think... a there's a lot of pressure right now from shit that's got nothing to do with music you know like yeah. and i'm just like Ugh, i get feel nauseous all the time just you know it's crazy how, out there so how did um, 
So you just you just did your it's your first film score, right? Yep. How did how did that happen? How was that experience for you? Um, Alan Palomo, Neon Indian, he hit me up last year and was like, "Hey, my buddy's got this film, and you know we're looking for someone to score it. I'm, I'm unfortunately a bit too busy to take it on." And 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 he was like, "Would you be interested?" I'm like, "Totally," you know. And then I you know I talked to to uh, the director and just kind of went for it <laughs> was it a was do you feel like that was sort of a natural transition for you to get into sort of post-production end of things or was it i don't know what how was your how was your uh, uh experience doing that it it was pretty smooth honestly it took me a little while to wrap my head around some of the you know some things you know just to you know uh, I think, you know, scoring a film, I'm probably not going to use the right terminology, but um, I think writing music that way was very different for me because I wasn't necessarily focused on a BPM ever. You know what I mean? I was very much just kind of focused on the way that the film was because it was pretty it was pretty close to the cut that, that was released when I started working with it. And then, you know, you know, just breaking it up into sections and, 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 and kind of, you know, I went through it a few times and I was like, all right, cue here, cue here, cue here, cue, you know, and, and, and you know, then I kind of just worked that way through it. Um, it took a while. I was working on it for quite a few months, um, just really trying to develop, you know, some sounds or, or kind of a, just the overall texture. But, you know, they had put spec music in there. So yeah. I was, you know, I, was, I had something pretty concrete to go off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a heck of a job, but I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to do things like that more than, you know, my, I think my touring days are, are, are pretty numbered. You yeah, know. I think I think it's interesting because like with transitioning into like doing more post production work, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting because you're suddenly going from, you know, I'm I'm the dictator of this whole situation. I I just make the decisions and I do all this stuff. Suddenly you're sort of having to process someone else's art through mm-hmm. your lens. Yeah. But then you have to circle back around and talk to them and then listen to them be like, Well, I don't really like that, you know, mm-hmm. which happens. Um, oh, yeah. And so then you get to learn real fast, uh, uh, you know, how fragile your ego is in that situation, which I think is a good learning experience, honestly. Yes. Um, I, uh, yeah. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, um, <laughs> I just, I think my many years in advertising really forced me to be okay with that. You know, yeah. I definitely, at first, I was like, you know, when, when, when they weren't stoked on some of the, the cues, I was like, Ugh. you know, like, <laughs> but I quickly got over it because I'm like, well, this is the client and they're paying me to do exactly what they want. You know what I mean? With, yeah. with, I'll put my little flair in there however I can, but you know, it's a, it's a, it, it, you know, I think it's, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the structure, honestly, you know, I, th- I think it's interesting that you came from advertising into music it's funny because I have all the of all the friends that I have that I will send music to if I'm working on something. The vast majority of them are either filmmakers or they work in graphic design. Yeah. Almost no musicians. Yeah. Musicians are always like, "Oh man, that's cool. I like that." You know, but like yeah. graphic <laughs> designers come from like a group critique, you know, art school background mm. where they'll be like, "This is fucking terrible." Like they will yeah. just straight up tell you <laughs> if yep. something's yep. not working or it feels weird. So you're, I feel like I always get honest opinions out of graphic designers 
more so than musicians. And so I think, but I also think like graphic design as a gateway to music is kind of fascinating too, because, you know, your music is so, uh, it's dependent upon layers, you know, like, and not just layers of sounds, but like, there's also, there's a real like layer of grit that goes over. There's like textures of things that get laid onto these sounds that create your sound. And so, you know, which is kind of, makes perfect sense if you've ever looked at photoshop or like a you know worked in design like there's a lot of texturing and things like that but i think like also it's interesting for you to like circle into the business the music business which sucks <laughs> coming yes. from a graphic design background and dealing with clients and dealing with chasing <clears throat> money and work and all that kind of shit like do you feel like when you came when you finally came into the fold and started doing bigger things like i guess you know as you started to come into the ghostly sort of community do you think all of that time you spent as a graphic designer like helped you like basically you know was a, a good primer for getting into the music business i believe it was yes um i remember you know because the only reason i worked in graphic design was because i was into music from the get-go and i met a buddy and i used to do drum and bass and then went from that into advertising um because you know he got me a job and hooked me up and then a couple agencies down the road uh you know this this tour came up when with this pro you know with the come truce project and i you know i put my uh two weeks in and and i, I you know early on I, I was very happy to have because I worked for a pharmaceutical agency, so it was really strict. It wasn't like the most, you know, it was really high quality photography and like crazy, crazy amounts of, of, of uh, text, you know, it was just very, it was very basic stuff. But, you know, when you deal with those kind of clients and the government on top of that, like mm -hmm. you have to be really, uh, uh, you're, you're just really confined to what you can do and what you can't. So I think like just all that organization that I had, which I'm definitely, uh, I'm losing as the days go by and that kind of, that kind of uh, <laughs> discipline, but early on, it definitely helped me write music a lot faster, you know, and, and, you know, I just remember going to work and just thinking about music all day and just doing the work, getting it done, going home, staying up to like four in the morning and writing music. But like, I was on that cycle where, I just was inspired across the board and like really just like everything was was going right and then you know it's just been 12 years since then so it's like yeah. was ghostly the jumping off so like uh at what point were you like okay i'm ready to to sort of piece out of this graphic design stuff and go full-time music um yes it was ghostly but it was more the tour you know i was just gonna do that long tour and then you know see what was what at the end I, I didn't have a didn't really worry about you know i always thought i would be able to get another graphic design job um if if, if it didn't really work out but then it just kind of stuff just started happening and happening and here we are <laughs> how did you years later ghostly didn't happen for you like as a demo though didn't you have like a connection through like a lawyer or something i put the cyanide sisters ep out on a net label called amdisks Mm -hmm. And um, the one of the A and R people from Ghostly also ran the sister label uh, Mood Gadget. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Um, and he hit me up wanting to release something. And at the time, I had my lawyer, who I currently still have, Matt Cutler. Um, he he is who. Okay, so let's backtrack. 
Um, are we recording or is this all? Yeah, we're recording. Okay. We've been recording the whole time. <laughs> okay. Um, so I remember when MySpace was still, you know, yeah. the place to, to do shit. Um, I put my music up there and, and the EP was out. And uh, one day I got a message from Neon Indian. Um, and I was like, this, what is this? This has got to be like a, an ad or so I, you know, I, I opened it up and it was them asking me to do a remix for, they wanted me to remix something. They had just done all the remixes for the record, but they were doing something with Mountain Dew. Um, so that's when I did those two, uh, remixes for them through the green label sound thing. Uh, after that was all wrapped up, you know, um, like a week after, um, this guy, Matt Cutler wrote to me and he was like, Hey man, I just wanted to say, I really like your, uh, your stuff. I'm the, I'm the, one of the attorneys for Neon Indian. And, and I, he's like, I found your music on this, uh, what was it all music or something website? I don't know. Um, and he was like, I, I don't know if you'd like to come into the city and sit down and talk about, you know, what, you know, what you're, what you're, what you're looking to do. And I was like, uh, totally. You know? So I went in one day we had lunch and just, I sat in the office and we just chatted and, you know, he was kind of, you know, on my team from the get go. And then, you know, the Moon Gadget guys, guy reached out and we were kind of like, you know, it was just a very boilerplate kind of, kind of deal. And he was like, we should wait and see what else down the road. So we kind of, we were like, well, we're going to this, we're going to hold off on, on agreeing to anything right now. And like a week later, you know, I was in back in the city sitting down with uh, Sam and Jeff from ghostly and talking about, you know, what, what do I want to do with this project? Do I want to just make music, you know, and release it? Or do I want to tour and, you know, all that stuff. And I was like, I don't really know. I'm kind of just, taking it one step at a time whatever whatever comes my way i guess i'll i'll give it a a good think and then you know they they said we're, we we want to re-release the ep and uh yeah it was just kind of i think it was i think i i signed maybe two three i think three were in the third agreement just re-signing for different you know the first agreement was like three records and four eps or something like that and now we're just going uh record deal to record deal you know agreement. Yeah. um what year was yeah, that was what, what year was the first one 2010 nine ish yeah i was gonna say the music business has changed yeah. dramatically yeah it's like then. this yes. sounds as foreign as as i could yeah. even possibly well, I mean, just, imagine yeah. just the idea of like the old notion of like a 360 deal where they are like we own your brand and you're going to do this many records like i feel like no labels unless maybe it's like warner or somebody but like no yeah. small labels boutique labels are doing that yeah yeah. I uh yeah, I just I remember on those early days too, like the still the MySpace days and SoundCloud was still mm-hmm. new, you know, and like I used to be able to find so much cool music. I can't even go on SoundCloud anymore. I, I don't even use it. I don't use it at all. I the, the label uploads my stuff to it when stuff comes. I just like it's just uh it's it's like a tire fire over there. It's just yeah. so much stuff. Like I don't it's really, yeah, it's really hard to find new music. I've been listening to, like, jazz lately a lot, like 80s, early 80s synth jazz and stuff. Like, yeah, I feel like the older I'm all I get, over the place. I feel like the older I get, the further back I go. I just yeah. sort of, I hit a space where, and it's probably, like, right around that time, like, mid-early to mid 2000s, where, like, you know, everything was about blogs. Every, blogs were really important to discovering new yeah. music. And then everything just got so accelerated to where I was like, I literally can't keep up with this anymore so yeah. i'm just gonna go listen yeah. to some coltrane or shit some, shit. Yeah. <laughs> some dusty old vinyl uh, 
No, I think that's interesting because, like, I think uh, a lot of people have this misconception about the music business that, like, some A and R guy finds you and then they're like, "We got to sign you to a deal." And I think a lot of people underestimate the power of like going out and doing remixes and meeting. Like, I've heard so many stories from people and have so many friends who, you know, their entry point to a deal was a lawyer, like an entertainment mm-hmm. lawyer, um, who just knew people because lawyers know everybody. Like, it's just the, the truth, you know. Yep. And so it's just, I think it's, it's interesting. I was reading a story the other day about Chris Christopherson was telling, saying how he, uh, he was in the, like the army or something and he, or is in the air force and he had been writing songs and guitar and he was really thinking that these were good and he wanted to do that full time. And so he took his tapes and he borrowed a helicopter and he landed he it on Johnny Cash's, like his estate, <laughs> just landed it in the yard and walked up to the house with the tapes and like a bottle of whiskey or something and was like, I'm going to play you this music. And that's how he got discovered. Wow. It's like, I'm always, I'm all about like just super random, you know, story. Cause the music business itself is like patently absurd. Um, and I think that like, you know, I think for a lot of people out there, I know a lot of people who make music and stuff, listen to this podcast and it's like, you know, I don't think there are really rules anymore, especially now. I think everything's just, on the table it doesn't you know it's you just see where it goes you know yeah i feel like not that long ago there was a logical path on how to do it sort of or roughly you know these are some of the steps now i don't even i don't even know if i was just starting where who i what you know like i don't know where how it even works because like i just feel like we're consuming music so quickly and and just you know it's just constant like yeah. new stuff i'm still all about you know i like doing the record the full record i don't want i like i like eps because they're smaller conceptually mm-hmm. um but uh you know I, I, this this the single culture is like really i don't know you know because i do dj sometimes i'm like so i am going into other genres and, and looking at how that music is just constantly there's stuff coming out all the time it's crazy like What's, i don't know we're we're kind of competing with spotify culture too like i think you you have a lot of artists i don't know if you've noticed but it's like it's like when you look at new records that come out the tracks there's a ton of tracks in pop music that are like two and a half minutes long yeah you know and you i, I grew up thinking like three minutes was the kind of standard you know minimum right yeah and now it's like, you know, there'll be a track that's like just over two minutes that racks up like 800 billion streams yeah. or something, you know? And it's like, there is a, there is kind of a race, I think, to figure out how to game the system a little bit because it's all based on a streaming metric now, yes. you know, instead of just some type of whatever the expression is, you know? Matt, I want to add something to that. Um, what's interesting, the three minute um, song length, it came from radio advertisers. So they could play so many songs in the old days and fit so many advertisements in. So that was your gold mm. standard. But that's the same thing sort of now where it's changed to a different system. So it's affected the commercial business aspect has affected the music again and made it shorter. Yeah. Good old commerce dictating art. Yes. <laughs> that's how it goes. I mean, you know. My question yeah. as a clueless person is when it comes to streams, does it only count if somebody listens to the whole thing or if they just listen to a little bit of it? Because I would think if a song was shorter, you'd have more of a chance of completing it, thus counting towards a stream. It's it possible. Well, Spotify Spotify's interesting because there's, t- there's tiers. So like if you're a paying customer, 
you're in a paying customer listens to your music, you get more royalty than if someone who's on like a non-premium account. And it's, I mean, it's all just fractions of pennies basically, but um, you know, and I think the streaming culture is interesting. Like I have very mixed feelings about Spotify because Spotify is great. I mean, you can find literally anything. I remember, I remember a kid, I grew up in Cleveland and it's like, I'd go to the record den at the great Northern mall and I'd be digging through the bins trying to find warp records releases and you'd pull out a thing and you're like, okay, this came out on warp and you'd go and you'd plop down $16 for it without even hearing it. Just cause you're like, I like that label. And now it's like, you could find anything ever made ever, uh, yeah. you know, at the, you know, click of a button really, which I think is good and bad. I think that you lose the experience of hunting for things mm-hmm. in like a record store, but you also get artists that I think are coming around now who are more diverse or more of a smorgasbord of influence because it's all there. You know, yes. you, even if you grow up in the middle of nowhere, you still have access to like, you know, African, you know, ska music or some, something ridiculous, you know, like yeah. there's, there's, there's all of it's there all the time. I agree. I don't know. It's a, uh... I remember even when I, not that long ago, when I lived in Brooklyn, my favorite thing was to just hit the record shops with no intentions and just like literally judge books by their cover. And I'd just buy so many records. This looks cool. This is from 82. Like it's got to be, you know, and then take it all home and like, you know, drink beers and listen to it and then find that you found some like incredible music, you know. Now, yeah, you can just literally have it all at your fingertips and you know i you know as far as the platforms are concerned i mean i don't know that's just that's just the, the world we live in now um yeah. i don't uh, you know uh, to, to hate them i guess would be too strong but like I, I definitely some are better than others obviously and i'm not even talking about financial gain from them i'm just you know like i'd like to use apple music more because you know but i just hate the ui <laughs> like i can't Same. you know yeah. that's it's this terrible ui you know and yeah. spotify they keep, they're constantly changing stuff up like i just saw i don't know when it updated or i must have missed you know when it did but the shuffle button is like in a internal thing now so like it's not right there so i was yeah. like whenever i listen i like to use the new music friday on the, the playlist they generate for it usually it's full shit you know it's like <laughs> yeah, like like really strange hip-hop i'm like how did this even get in my i don't you know i listen to like 90s you know you listen Queens to 20 seconds hip-hop. of one thing yeah. one- hey there tpa listeners eric here sorry for interrupting but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion and we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show and we are just as surprised as you are for listening but since you're here we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and of course for all things the paradise arcade you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com please like share and review our episodes we like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who we should get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. It's a motherfucking paradise Once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 
we're, we're definitely, I don't know, we're not getting away from it, you know, the, the platforms the, and streaming. The comment you made about record store shopping kind of brings me to another question for you, which is uh, aesthetic. You know, like you're a super aesthetic guy, like everything. And you're also kind of a rare thing in that a lot of people, you know, will release records. Like if I'm going to release a record, I'm going to go to somebody that I like who's a graphic designer. I'm going to say, and I'm really, I'm very much in the camp of like, I'm not a graphic designer. So I'm going to hand this to you and you're going to finish this because you understand, like we will talk about it, but like, I'm not, I don't see myself in a position to tell somebody how to do their job because that's something I don't do. But you're the rare breed where like you have a very strong control over your graphic design presence, your, your visual presence, the aesthetic presence of country. So, you know, how much does aesthetic obviously figures into a lot of music, but it's like aesthetic seems to be a strong point for you. Like you said, buying records just because of how they look, how much does aesthetic play into like gear for you? Uh, yeah, a bit, I guess, uh, you know, uh, I'd say, uh, it's definitely the advertising, which makes me fall heavily on the the visual sword. Um, yeah. I definitely see where, where sometimes I shoot myself in, in the foot, you know, so far as like when the record's done and then I got to do all the art or vice, you know, and then all the advertising materials and all this different sizing. And, but, you know, I'll get in those moods where I'm like super into it and I'm just like pounding coffee and just, you know, resizing you know, you know, record sleeves, but I mean, as far as like gear is concerned, do you mean like literally like what it looks like, you know, like, I, like some stuff I, you know, yeah. I, it's yeah, interesting. I, Cause we, we like, you know, I remember, uh, you know, like recently Dave Smith passed away Dave, and mm -hmm. talking about Dave Smith, you know, sequential, uh, I think I think he is underappreciated in the realm of I mean obviously the guy created MIDI but the Mofo was kind of like the first synth out of the gate that was like an affordable analog synth and I know you were a fan of the Mofo like when it first came mm -hmm. out and like uh, I have the module mm -hmm. and I've got a bunch of Dave Smith synths synths yeah. you know and I love them they're great but um you know the Mofo was a fucking ugly oh so ugly yeah and it had like real weird uh the logo it's, it's, i hated them yeah it's sitting on the desk i'm staring at it right now it's like dave smith's <laughs> name is kind of in that that script font and then the mofo text looks like an old rusted root album cover or something it yes terrible um and i think that like aesthetically it's like i look at a lot of gear and I, and especially nowadays it's like you get into things like euro rack and stuff like that it's like it's a huge there's just so much shit out there to like parse yeah. through right and he really kicked the door open for analog synths to sort of be ex you know accessible for people and also mm -hmm. uh you know affordable i think he kind of did it first and then moog kind of jumped on the jumped on the train and then then everybody else sort of followed suit because there was a stretch there in the like 90s where you'd go on Guitar Center and it would just be every synth was just a digital piece of shit with like Ugh. all these lights and you go in and they'd be like, yeah. you guys like, you like lights and knobs? Like that's how they sold synthesizers. Um, all those workstations and things like yeah, that. And I uh, think, I, yeah, I, I just think uh, I'm curious to get your take on like how you approach, like obviously I feel like aesthetics are super important. So like if a synth looks weird is it less usable to you 
uh, yeah, I guess I'd say I'm a little, <laughs> a little you know, like if it's, yeah. you know, I, I think everything I have in here right now is pretty minimal design. Yeah. Classic, you know, nothing crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely picky with it, I'd say. And I just really haven't been buying all that much stuff lately. Uh, I, 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 I had a Bukala system that's coming soon that I built. Cool. Um, or that I had built, obviously. But, I mean, you know, that's what I'm trying to get into a little bit more. And Yeah, I got all the Eurorack stuff. And, yeah, there are some, like, I, that was, I will say in that space, there are yeah. some modules that they might seem like they are they do cool stuff, but I can't wrap my head around the way they look. <laughs> like, if it's... Exactly. As they have to look so confusing, you know, like, I don't know, I yeah. like the, the cleanliness and things, you know? Yeah. I have a friend. Not, not my a, office, obviously. <laughs> I have a, a a buddy who like will not get into make noise at all because he's like everything looks like it's a fucking Klingon spaceship. Like I can't, <laughs> like I can't do hieroglyphics. Yeah. yeah, and um, but yeah, I think I think that like from an aesthetic standpoint, you know, m- music. I always tell people to, going back to the kids, you know, the kids that are sending the emails like, how do I get into this? I'm like, I, the only thing I ever tell people is like workflow. Figure out your workflow. You know. It's the same in whatever industry you're in. Could be graphic design, could be, you know, anything. If your workflow is shit, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, you have to sort of figure it out. And I think aesthetically, a lot of, uh, you know, I go back and I look at the science fiction films that I watched in the '80s that were inspirational to me. And uh, you know, like when Vangelis died, I watched uh, Blade Runner again, and I hadn't seen it in a minute. I've probably seen that movie 200 times, but like, yeah. every time I watch it, there's little aesthetic things that I like just forgot about you know like yep. this last time it was when he uh he calls sean young on that little video phone when he's like in the thing and i'm sitting there and i'm like looking at the design and like just the the typefaces and the sort of ui of the thing and the screen has that nice like patina mm-hmm. and like a grit it's like all of it is so incredibly well like just that scene i was just like yeah. man blade runner 2049 was a piece of shit you know when you think yeah. about like compared to yeah. comparatively yeah and and i think like but when i also when i look around my studio i'm like you know i think it, all of those things definitely had an influence on how i do the things i do and like the way yeah. i work you know my workflow specifically um i've always yeah i've always thought the same thing like uh going back and watching i always see something something different but my whole thing has always been I focus on the way like that someone had to come up with this futuristic looking technology and it wasn't even and now we're watching it you know it's it's from the past you know but we're in the future and nothing remotely looks like that stuff it's like it's all you know when you watch like the you know the alien any of the franchise like you know all the different symbols and the and the and the CRT graphics and things like that I, I always find those to be the most inspiring and my my might not even be inspired by the actual story but it's like those moments you know when it's like some yeah. they're pulling up some computer graphics or like when they're looking at the map and aliens and they're trying to find where the everybody's beacons are you know like I love those those someone had to come up with that it's incredible to me like you know with the technology they had back then you know like now people are trying to recreate it and it's doesn't even have the same vibe you know it's, it's like real shiny everything's shiny yeah. now. you know they lost yeah. all the the grit i think it's funny because i think you know going back you look at something like blade runner or, or any of the science fiction movies from that era, and you're like you know we were promised this sid mead 
future and instead <laughs> we got like i can doordash a burrito you know like yeah. <laughs> essentially where where we landed well, we have the IKEA version of it. Yeah, we've exactly. opted for convenience instead of actual, like, uh, meaningful, useful things. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And that's yeah. led to a whole different uh, result of what the future is. Yeah, yeah. I, I want the uh, the blueprint colored overhead projector map. Yes. From aliens. <laughs> that's what yeah, I want. Yeah. yeah. So. So touring, you're talking about touring a little bit and how touring is maybe numbered for you. Talk a little bit. I was just kind of curious, uh, you know, playing a show as an electronic musician is a very slippery slope. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I saw you come through Nashville with Clark. I think that's when I met you oh, at yeah. the show. Um, yep. And uh, that was a really inspired bill. I enjoyed that bill because it was like, Clark is sort of this weird, brutal, uh, you know, uh, anomaly, I think, to the Warp community. I think when he first came out, everybody was sort of like, is this guy sort of, he's like Aphex kind of-esque, but he's definitely clearly in his own lane. And he makes music that makes people want to dance, but it's also kind of like fucking with you as you're dancing to it, because mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it constantly feels like it's about to fall apart. Um mm -hmm. And so I feel like you had a lot of kids that were there that were just like, yeah. But I think there was also a lot of fans of your stuff that were there that were sort of like, what am I supposed to do with this right now? Because <laughs> it was yeah, so like yeah. different. But nonetheless, like still a very powerful like live presence. Um, it's like touring for you, like, uh, you know, obviously I'm sure it's evolved over time technology-wise. It's, yeah, it's evolved and devolved. <laughs> it's... Yeah. Uh... I don't really know what I want to do anymore, you know? Um, and it's also, it's a very costly part of music, um, not just touring or traveling, but the, you know, doing the show to specific standards, you know, like you, uh, you have to like, you have to blow people's minds. You like, you can't, it's really, especially as an electronic artist, when you're standing up there with a few keyboards or whatever, and it, you know, it's not really, yeah, it's it's. I've always focused heavily on the visuals, and you know, I had the little Pentagon stand I stood on for a while, and and that was you know that was fun and everything. I don't know. Now I'm just. I don't know. I'm uh, close to forty. You know, <laughs> like I'm. Uh, yeah. I I enjoy being home. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I like try. I liked for a while after the pandemic kind of lessened a bit. Uh, and stuff started to pick back up. I was just doing like weekend shows, you know, I'd just fly for a Friday or a Saturday show and I'd be home Sunday, you know, afternoon and have the whole week, you know, and I wish I really liked, but I, I don't know if I thinking about it at this moment while I'm talking to you guys right now, like I can't imagine like being on the road for like a month, you know, yeah. like that just seems painful to me now. Um, I think a lot of people too don't understand that when you're touring as a somewhat independent like you're you know it's like yeah you're on ghostly but i'm sure like you know you're the as an artist you're bearing the brunt of the process of touring oh yeah and most of the time as an electronic artist you're the only one you know like i've toured before with bands and it's like the band has like seven people in it yeah and they're all loading out and loading in and doing and it's like nope it's just me so i'm loading in all my shit setting up all my shit setting up all my merch 
sit at the merch table, then it's my turn to play, then I go back <laughs> to the merch table, and then at 1 a.m. they kick everybody out, and then maybe you're lucky to get loaded out by like yeah. 2 in the morning, yeah. and then you rinse and repeat. Yeah. And it, that takes a toll. I mean, it's a lot of work. Night lot after of work. night, yeah. Yeah. I did, a, I did the last long stint I did. I was basically gone for like three months, and... Mm -hmm. Never again. It was too much. It, uh, you know, it's it's unhealthy, unsustainable, really. For for unless unless yeah, I mean, if you have a huge team and that's you know you don't really have to if you just get up there and play the music. But there's people that set everything up, load everything out, just mm -hmm. take care. Of it, you know, like you know, I've had situations where it's been a little little of that. You know, like the bare minimum of like just having extra people. Um, sure. But not having that have really forced me to kind of you know, really, really limit what I'm traveling with. You know, like I don't bring the vintage synths out anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm not, you know. Uh, Everything breaks. There's so much shit to carry too. It's like yeah. I'm only one dude. And then people, you know, I do a one-off and then people are like, you know, uh, you know, do you have any merch? And I'm like, well, I mean, dude, I just, I flew here today, this morning. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, what? I'm I mean, flying out. Good. I guess I could bring a small case with me, but that just seems, I don't know. I, I, well, I don't a, know. It's a pain in the ass. I mean, it's like yeah. very, uh, like I came into to Minneapolis to play a show for these guys, and like I just had a separate suitcase that I threw some records and like some t-shirts and junk into just to have. It wasn't a lot, but it was yeah. a pain in the ass hauling it. And I landed yeah. in Minneapolis, and it snowed a foot that day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But like, I think that you know, like, uh, there's something I think to be said for the real sort of grunt work of doing a tour and doing it by yourself and then also the expense you know like i'm sure going out for three months you're looking at it and going okay well i'm gonna anticipate to make this much money from mm -hmm. ticket sales but then you got to print all your merch you got to get your shirts made you got to do you know all the different assets of like things that have to and then you have to look after all that shit and you got to chase mm -hmm. venues to get paid and you gotta it's a i mean it's like five full-time jobs basically yeah. on top of playing the music and everybody takes their cut and, and yeah. taxes and all it just it's a lot of it's a lot of work I, I you know i guess everybody probably thinks it's just one giant party you know i think people do think that and it's not it's not like uh, there was you know i i drank heavily for years when touring just to <laughs> like to kill the pain you know um yeah. i try to limit it for the most part these days <laughs> uh yeah but yeah, that's that was a uh, you know, it was always nice to like do a show and just you know maybe have a, a slight buzz, have a couple beers, maybe do one shot with somebody or something like that, and then you know you'd go to the hotel and you would be sober for the most part and you'd sleep and wake up and then you know but like those days and days of drinking you know bottle of whiskey at night like I just I can't do it anymore. That's, yeah. those days are gone. Yeah, no, I think it's an easy it's an easy i mean i i feel like during covid there's a lot of people that function in the world right now who are like functional alcoholics and are oh, just yeah. now starting to realize it they're like oh fuck i was drinking a lot during covid and now i've, yeah. now I've got a real problem yeah. um touring is absolutely that because it's just you know and i'm naturally an introverted person so like if for me to get up on a stage and perform sucks i don't want to do it yeah, same and here so you know a little liquid courage goes a long yeah. way um, the yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's part of the, it's part of the sort of like, you know, terrain of touring of just putting up with bullshit and having to, um, 
you know i was selling i was you know i will shit on touring all the time but i had i had a lot of fun playing in minneapolis <laughs> so, <laughs> that's just because no, we're you. here yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, been i've been telling people for a while now like that it was one of those rare that. occurrences where you land to play a show everybody turns out to be really nice everybody you guys are like foodies so everywhere we ate was amazing uh the venue was cool like every aspect like no aspect of the trip sucked aside from the fact that it snowed a foot which was cool right. i mean i was i was like cool snow you know but like um it aside definitely from, it, made it interesting aside from the winter <laughs> winter tundra like uh you know uh it was a great experience you don't always get those though. sometimes you land to play a show and it's like the promoters are assholes no one wants to talk to you uh or everybody wants to talk to you and that's mm -hmm. can be equally horrible because you're just yeah. like, all right guys um like it's I just hard. flew here like six hours on a plane and like I'm not really gonna get much sleep tonight because I leave you know tomorrow morning like yeah. let's let's bang this out and call it a day. But you gotta and that's you know I've always felt like you you do have to cater to people a little bit and kind of you know and, which is fine. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a mean person you know like but yes I'm introverted but you know I you know I'll, I'll talk to people but I, I just think man. Um, it's different these days too with with going you know the pandemic and stuff has made everyone socially awkward now yeah. you know what i mean like uh, it just feels even if i go to the grocery store i went the other day and i was like this is i don't know why but i just felt super fucking weird like it just <laughs> everything feels really weird out there right now and you know i live in florida so it's just it's always weird <laughs> uh, yep. uh but I, I i don't know yeah there are those uh, shows you have that are incredible and like everything is just like perfect and then there are you know it those middle of the week shows those wednesday shows they put you in the middle of nowhere yeah those are those are the rough ones but there are people that come out who are like i'm so glad you came to my city like i can't believe this like i didn't have to drive like six hours to see you you know what i mean yeah. and that, that the makes silver it, lining yeah yeah you gotta really yeah you gotta really I don't know. You gotta, you gotta humble yourself sometimes. I think you know. There's some, there's a nice there's something about the component of that too, where like you have slaved over a process of like making your your art, making your work, putting it out there. Sometimes those things have emotional meaning for you. You know, you've written mm -hmm. something that it represents some period in your life, and then you put it out, and it goes to into the hands of people out there who listen to it, who then reinterpret it recontextualize it to their life or what shit yep. they've gone through and it's kind of nice it's like sort of a relief it's like a catharsis of like okay yeah. it's yours now it's not mine anymore yeah. you know yeah i always thought yeah that was my favorite my favorite part of my music is that i kind of always tried to leave it open-ended as far as interpretation like it means something to me but it could mean something completely different to you and that's totally fine like i don't you know what i mean i'm not yeah. i'm not trying to like force my messages on you you know what i mean i'm just it's out there i got rid of it now you take it and do what you want with it you know yeah. I, that's the fun thing about music for me i think yeah it's, a yeah, nice, it's definitely a release yeah it's a, there's a nice like ambiguity to it where people can just you know find their own interpretation find their own context yeah. for it and it, yeah i, I mean yeah go ahead hey Matt, uh, so i've got a question for both of you uh you're both introverts and but you you operate in the public domain you release things into the world where people are going to interact with it and they're going to have an emotional response to it is it a way for for you both of you to maybe 
uh, connect with other people to feel a human connection. Um, whereas like a typical social situation, you know, Seth, you're talking about being, you know, uncomfortable um, with around large groups of people or a lot of people. It's a way to maybe connect on an emotional human level to someone else without having to um, deal with that, that uncomfortability, that anxiety of, of conversation, because, you know, some, everybody has different social skills and ability to communicate and feel understood. And both of you guys, I think, and especially Matt, you know, I think uh, you put your need to emotionally connect or that a need for connection into the music. Um, and, and so is that a way for you guys to, to connect and feel connected to other people? I think for me, the music kind of acts as a buffer, you know, like when you play a show or, and then you talk to people after you're not necessarily talking about extremely personal things. You know what I mean? You're kind mm -hmm. of, you're, you're talking about music or, you know, you know, stuff that's in the immediate, you know, kind of space. Um, I think the music for me is a way to shield myself a bit from having those conversations that really you know what i mean like we we were so uh we were just so overloaded with stuff um all the time and 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 i just yeah it's it's kind of it's it's i don't know i'd like to think of it as it's like a way for me to hide in plain sight you know kind of i yeah. hide behind the music you know like um hiding in a way like i'm afraid but like you know like there's certain things that you know you just that people don't need to know you know like just life stuff i don't know you know yeah no, i absolutely understand yeah I, I totally agree i think that there's a there's an element of uh the music speaks so i don't have to you know and so you can stroll into a conversation with people uh and they already they know everything they need to know because they listen to the music and they either like it or they don't you know and there's a there's a definite economy in there that's like uh you know it is that sort of uh there's an emotional transaction that's taking place that's has nothing to do with anything that's been said it's all just you know how it relates to you which is actually it's so much different than talking like i could sit in a room and talk to somebody and not have near the effect that that it might have on them just for music because so much of it is experiential you know they're mm -hmm they're having an experience with it and because you can listen to a song and it'll always be connected to a time or a place or you know some emotional event or there's a element of nostalgia to it or something like that um and you know if you think about all the conversations you've had over the course of your life i mean i would imagine many of them are they could be tied to like some event but many of them you're not going to go oh yeah remember that conversation i had that one time and when i was in new york or you know, whatever. It's like so much music it just has that immediately. Um, and so I think it's uh, it's cool. It's cool how that works. I mean, it's an added benefit of, uh, especially for an introverted person, to be able to just sidestep that yeah. <laughs> and just let the music do its thing. It's um, kind of like a callback to what you said earlier about someone saying, oh, I have all your albums and I know you. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, you you can hide in plain sight in that way. It's like you don't people people know you 
as a whatever iteration of the thing is that they you know have experienced through the records um and you can just you know sort of fuck off and do your own thing and not have to worry about telling anybody anything you can just sort of sit there and be like i'm you know i'm just here to do the music and go home i personally like when i play shows i hate being on stage i don't like it at all i feel like especially with electronic music i almost always love playing shows if i can tour with with like a rock band i would rather do that because uh especially an electronic bill it's like after the first person plays it's over you know like the the jig is up ever it's gonna be a bunch of dudes with laptops (laughs) nowadays it's like a bunch of dudes with everybody's kind of shifting away from laptops but it's like for a while it was like okay we're just gonna watch these people make excel spreadsheets uh yeah. for, you know an hour and a half um, could you do that would you incorporate that into a show like yeah <laughs> that's, that's the visuals just that's the, the visuals yeah. crunching i liked crunching uh, i remember i remember adam hart uh had a a setup where he had he played a live set with an npc and he had the screen from the npc was his visual and I feel like NPCs, when you're making music on NPCs, it's very like menu divey and like oh, yeah. process oriented and like all these commands and like you're changing. So it's just this guy standing, you know, I think a lot of times he had like a suit on and he just, I think he's German and he'd stand up there and he'd just be like, in the background would just be like these little incremental changes in things on the screen <laughs> as he was playing in that like green and black, like terminal, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I always appreciated that. I was like, that's very, uh, you know, it's very bold. There's nothing flashy about it. It's like either you're into this or you're not. I'm sorry if you're not. (laughs) Yeah, I really feel that like that really is laying it out exactly as it is. Like it's not trying to be anything other than what it is. And as you Mm -hmm. said, you either like it or you don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of really have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Going back to the Excel thing. So we had an Excel like instructor come into my work to give classes on that what a job and the stuff that she was doing in excel was like enthralling it was amazing what she was doing so if that happened to be the background of what was going on at a show i would be way more into that than say like the windows 95-esque screensaver that you'd see at a dream theater concert or something <laughs> Hey Seth, I've got a, a question for you to wrap around to um mm-hmm. yeah, your diving into um you know scoring work. Has that how has that affected you in your own creative process? Has that had a shift? Because um like what I've noticed like with interviews with Trent Reznor, it seemed to have a major fundamental shift in how he creates music with nine inch nails now, the scoring and interacting with people and having to take feedback and it and he's spoken about how it's really shifted how he does music now. Has it had any effect on your own personal creative output looping back around? Uh, I would say that I think I always thought I thought cinematically with my music or, you know, maybe to try to, <laughs> but now I think I really understand what that means. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, stuff going forward will definitely have a much more cinematic feel. Um, but, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, sending music to musicians and how it's really kind of a, it's, that doesn't really do any good. Um, 
I only really share my music with my lawyer because he's like a music nerd, you know, on, you know, that's really what he is. So he's the only person that, you know, that I really share it with before anybody hears it. Um, and, uh, so I, I can, sometimes I consider him the, the, the client or the test subject, you know, um, I'll send stuff to the label too, but you know, it's, 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 it's always minimal feedback. I mean, they're just letting me do whatever the hell I want to do. Um, I, I, I'm unsure of how it will really affect me. Cause it's, you know, I just did the film, you know, and you know, I, you know, we'll see when I sit down to really write the record, you know, it's like, uh, it'll be interesting. I, th I think uh, when I when I first started getting into scoring things more often, I was doing like short films, and then slowly that kind of grew into, you know, feature work. And mm -hmm. what I what I found was I feel like a lot of my music is always feels at least to me anyways feels very accidental. It's like every time mm -hmm. I sit down to make a record, I'm like, how the fuck do I make a record again? Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, but a lot of it is just like I'll stumble into a sound or I'll stumble into a thing and I'm like, okay, this feels good. And then I just sort of see where it goes. And a lot of times the music just tells me this is where it needs to be. It sounds real, yes. you know, airy fairy, but it's like, that's but what it's it true. Is. Yeah. And um, I found that after I started collaborating with people on visual things, it made, it was harder when I came back to like write stuff on my own. I was like, okay, I'm going to make something for me. I had this moment where I was just like, okay, I kind of have to re relearn this because uh, mm -hmm. suddenly I'm going back and I'm like there's no other I'm back to just doing it all myself you know I don't have the visual thing to crutch basically yeah and I, um, I, yeah I feel the same way uh and I think that's why I'm feeling the way I have lately since the film was finished was like I was getting not insane amount of direction, but you know, a good amount of feedback on a daily basis for a few months. And then I went and did two commercials and that was even crazier, much shorter time span, way more like intense feedback coming from all angles at all hours. Like, you know, yeah. and then, so it is, I'm like, okay, you're right. It's like, Oh, now I got to write something myself like, what, what do i go on you know like what do i you know that's why it's always i've always like tried to make a pretty solid concept for my music because i need i need that or i'm just gonna i don't know how i would really finish anything if i didn't have that driving you know so it is yeah i think i'm in that transition period where i'm kind of figuring out how to go back to yeah. you know figuring out what i want to say or sound like you know i would i would always have like a if I went and saw a show or if I listened to a record, I'd be like, man, you know, music is always um, inspiring, but it's not ever something where I have an experience with music. And I'm like, I want to go write music right now. Like, I don't think I've yeah. ever come away from a show or something. I've been like, I need to go home and make some music. Film absolutely does that for me. Um, Same. And I think what where I kind of landed after I started doing more score, where I, I you know, started scoring all these podcasts and it was like, once I started doing that stuff, it was great because I could itch this scratch that I had that musically I couldn't accomplish with the project that I put music out under. So it was like getting mm -hmm. to do all these and they're all different, which is also great. So it's like yeah. to do different things and try different things and, you know, you just say, fuck it and go for it. Yeah. And but then I would turn around and I'd come back and I would have this problem we're talking about. And I just started like, you know, 
I went back to like my like a you know high school girl basically went and got Tumblr and just started. Tumblr is like my just evolve a constantly evolving mood board. Yes, I've always. Stuff. I could never bring myself to do Pinterest, but uh, I feel like I'd never forgive myself. But with uh, <laughs> with Tumblr, like I just go in and I just follow all these kind of science fiction-y kind of things. And I'll just throw stuff. And I honestly like it. You know, I have a couple monitors right in the studio, like in front of me. And I have Tumblr is always open. Like it's always yeah. the main page just that has all the images. And I just kind of feed off of that. Even, yeah. And I found that it's helpful to me to to do that transition from like score work in back into like writing for myself because i can just look at something and just feel inspired by it um you know and it's not directly tied to uh it doesn't have to be like any finite thing of like this is the this is what the record is it's like well no it's yeah. just you know i'm looking at these images and they're just inspiring me yeah stimulating definitely i yeah. i i will say that i did go down the pinterest hole <laughs> but uh yeah. I uh, I use it from time to time, but I, I definitely do like having. It's like sometimes I'll just put a movie with the sound off on the like my iPad next to me and just like have it going. Yeah. Just I don't know. It's just that seeing those moving images, even you know, if I'm not necessarily drawing inspiration from it, it's just something about like that visual element that's like it's, I don't know. It just kind of it's mm -hmm. like keeps your mind moving. I think you know. What's the what's the flip side of that? Because I mean, like you just had the uh, thing with HBO animation where mm -hmm. they just made it, which was fantastic. I mean, just really awesome. Um, but so, how does that feel? How does it feel to like have music that you've made then go through the other way, where a bunch of animators are then being influenced by that and creating something? amazing it's it's cool to see it's a yeah. it's it's that it's a whole thing we were talking about of how you put it out there mm -hmm. with whatever is behind it for you and then seeing how it's interpreted by other people whether that just be visually or if someone sends you a message and says oh this song makes me feel you know or just did this for me or, or you know whatever uh it was very interesting and you know i, I don't know i just I, I like that but you know i used to be a real stickler about uh, you can't no i don't want it it's got to be all me you know but i'm definitely loosening up to like you know experimenting with other people more as far as like visuals are concerned you know because i'm like you know i'm just I, you know i'm getting older i guess you know we all are <laughs> um but I, i'm just realizing that like the time it takes to do all, all of it all the time for just is a lot it's time consuming and like you know, I'm just realizing what I what I really should focus on, and and you know, it, those kind of things, you know, kind of slowly open the door for for more of that. You know, because you know, I like my graphic style, you know, my aesthetic, but you know, it's, it, it might be time to explore some different things. And I I think I was afraid for a long time of like how how to do that. Like, if I switch it up, is it gonna you know, or is it gonna have the same thing? I really haven't found a way to do that. But I think these kind of things and getting this stuff in front of people, you know, right. you know, even just like doing the film, like that's a different way for people to in interpret my music. So maybe they'd be more open to change. You know what I mean? Because I remember like, you know, doing um, the. Uh, uh, declination with Joel Ford doing the, the 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 vocals, which were very alien. They're not really like full on. You know, people were like, oh, "Where's the instrumental?" You know, like I'm like, <laughs> "Are we so closed off that like you can't let, just let me experiment?" You know, like yeah. So I think that's a way to like 
you know, clear out the clutter and like. Well, you you also have kind of the thing where. It's like the whole argument with uh, like like a like Skrillex, right? Where people are like mm-hmm. they hear dubstep and they go Skrillex. It's like Kleenex, you know, like it's yeah. a yeah. It owns the brand, and yeah. I feel like you know if whatever you want to call the genre of music that you make, you know, there's I think there's like five or six different wave <laughs> names. Um, yeah, you know, you there is definitely like a sonic sound that you own that is like your thing, and like I think that. It's got to be incredible. I could see totally where it's got to be very confining for you because you're like, I want to have an aesthetic control. I want to yeah. man- maintain this brand, whatever, sonically and visually. But then people come along. I mean, licensing music is always a slippery slope because you end up with, uh, you know, I've had music and films and stuff, and I'll go to see the film and I want to throw up the entire time before the, the song kicks in. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, how the fuck did they use it? Because a lot of times they just take it and you don't even get to know. Like, it's just yeah. sort of like, send us the stems. And you're like, you hope for the best. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good. Um, but it is like a very nerve-wracking experience because you're looking at it and you're, it's impossible for you to see it subjectively. Because you're just like... Yeah, you're never going to be able to. Yeah, yeah and, and you're, the music you made, you made it the way you made it, when you made it, mm-hmm. how you made it, and now it's suddenly slapped on like a <laughs> movie or something, and you're like, okay, you know? And... And, yeah, and then your immediate circle, your you know, your friends, your team, your family, they're all just super stoked on it, but it, like inside you're like... <laughs> I remember when I did the Coinbase uh, commercial for the Super Bowl, yeah. and so yeah. you know, I had I had my girlfriend and her parents. They were all over, and we were just I was cooking food and stuff. And I remember, you know, it, when it came on, I was like, I literally wanted to puke. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy! <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Like I could still feel that feeling, like <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and then and then you're just like, well, it's this. What is the reaction going to be? And then you know, it, it was just, yeah, I. I, it was very hard for me to watch the film that I did, the private, uh, you know, private property. Mm-hmm. I finally just watched it like two weeks ago or a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever. Um, I bought it on iTunes and we sat down and watched it. And it was like, it was really f- weird to like watch <laughs> it as a done product, as like something yeah. that you could go buy and not like, you know, the way I watched it with the time code and, you know, yeah. just constant, just chopped up and not really fluent. You know, it was really weird to see it all put together. Cause you know, I, I, I synced everything up and sent it to the, uh, to the, 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 you know, the engineer and he laid it all in and then a uh, couple months down the road, it was out. And I was like, yeah. all right. You know, but, is it yeah is it, i'm, I'm kind of curious like so is it in is it because a lot of times in film right if you're working scoring something they send you a cut and usually it's an early cut so it's not been graded it looks like shit uh sometimes if there's visual effects those aren't in there mm-hmm. um as a person who comes from two essentially two disciplines that are heavily process oriented so like you have a track and it's like, all right, I'm going to make a little drum thing and then I'm going to add the bass and then I'm going to add this and I'm going to add this. And it's like you in your mind are comfortable with it, you know, because Mm -hmm. you understand there's going to be an end result. I know I'm going to get there. Same with graphic design. Is it hard for you when you get sent uh, something that's unfinished and looks shitty to (laughs) suddenly then have to write music against said shittiness? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky because the film was, was pretty close 
for the yeah. most part to like what I, I really didn't see. I mean, some things were adjusted and, you know, timing was, 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 was changed and things like that. But, and, you know, when I did the Coinbase commercial, that was like, they changed the graphic style like 30 times in like a week, you know? So it was like, yeah. uh, you know, that was really, that was a, it was an incredible to work on, but it was also like really nerve wracking. Like I didn't really, I couldn't like sleep very well because I was like, just uh, they're gonna have feedback, you know, when's it coming, you know? Yeah. And um, you know, I'm I'm doing another thing right now where it is very much early cut, so it's like, you know, some 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 stuff happens and then just cuts to black because there's no effects or anything. It's that's been worked out. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll write this, I guess, you know, and then just like adjust it when you know it's closer or whatever so it is hard to like yeah it's definitely hard to do that when there's like it's not really all that put together and it is it's hard to it's hard to write music to things that are are you know ug ugly really yeah from, you know because everything is kind of ugly right from the get-go and then you know well, it's going, polishing. going back to the early earlier you know thing we were talking about about aesthetic and how much aesthetic matters and it's like you're writing music to some scene and it and suddenly there's a you know black card that says like insert vfx of car on fire <laughs> or something and you're like shit you know like, okay my then in your head you make up what it looks like but yeah. like when you see it it's completely different uh, yeah well i feel the same way too about scripts it's like i'll work on something and they say let me send you the scripts and i'm like no i don't i can't do that because if it's like yeah. if i read a book and then it gets turned into a movie and you go see and you're like well this isn't what i fucking that's not what harry potter looks like you know it's like that kind of shit <laughs> yeah. like you can't yeah. It's it's a big leap for somebody who is a creative-minded, you know, person, uh, you know, to suddenly have to, you know, see it a second way or something. It's like very yeah. difficult. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I was sent a script a couple weeks back that I still am not sure if I'm going to read because I'm just like, I'm not. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to visually come up with my own the way it looks in my head and then when i go to work on it like it's yeah right it's gonna be completely different and i'm gonna have to completely readjust you know to like oh so this is you know it is it is difficult it's a definitely. weird animal it's definitely a weird yes. animal and you have and then also like just the the process of post-production and mm. the pacing and it's funny because like working in music i think everybody tends to look at you the musician and go okay, well, you do what you do. You know, it's like the, <laughs> you're the, because I mean, it, more or less, that's fair. You know, they're going to go, okay, well, we're going to hire you and pay you and you're going to do what you do, you know? But they're, they, they always kind of like misunderstand how you're being thrown into the fire, you know, as far as the whole post atmosphere is concerned and how people mm -hmm. work and the process that it takes to get to like a finished product and the chaos. Because post-production in film and TV is like, abject chaos all the time yeah. it's just madness it's am i always joke like it's amazing to me that any film gets made because yeah. there's so many moving parts involved um and and the thing can be wildly different from start to finish from like okay i got an idea let's write a script to like here's the finished thing i mean you hear it yeah. all the horror stories and it's like oh yeah yeah it's a challenge it's really uh, interesting. So, like, Matt, you, I mean, your entry into scoring <clears throat> is a little bit different than than Seth's, where Seth, you've, you're very much established as a particular, the calm truth thing yep. and started scoring. And Matt, you, you kind of 
make it a vanity set and you a scoring kind of came together a little bit developed together right um Star Trek.